Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is John Keeley, and this is the podcast segment of the show that is not broadcast on station KALA. Our guest for the 450th show is Clay Norris, Executive Director of the Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, who will be talking to us about the Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Class of 2022. The history buffs for today's show are Brett Menard and Terry Toppler. Terry, you get to ask the first question. All right, thank you. Yeah, Clay, you talked about the museum in Arnold's Park, Iowa, and I assume there are many exhibits there uh, with dozens of stories about the different musicians and music that helped shape Iowa's musical history. Can you talk a little bit about some of those personalities or exhibits that I would see when I come to visit? Absolutely. Um, One thing I I maybe didn't mention in the radio show is that the actual displays in in our university, our displays in our museum are were designed by the same design firm that designed the ones in Cleveland's Hall of Fame. So they're very high-tech, very neat, uh, you know, setups for everything. And one of the things you would see when you come in is that uh, there's a big emphasis, um, and and our co-founder, Tom Tourville, really um, studied and is a big fan of the ballrooms that – There's a few of them left. Uh, There's, you know, the third version of the roof garden that we have in in the Okaboji. Uh, There's the surf, and that's the second surf, but this building was the one that uh, Buddy Holly and Richie Ballins and Big Bopper played in last. That building still exists. And, uh, but there were, there were 28 to 30 of them at one point in time. And we, we had more ballrooms per capita than any state in the United States. And, yeah. So what had happened was the promoters back then, and there is a gentleman named Darlo Olson, and there's a big picture of Darlo in our museum. And Darlo owned the roof garden. And he owned about four or five other ballrooms. And he was smart enough to go like, okay, he'd check out the Beach Boys schedule back in 1963. And he would see that the Beach Boys maybe were going to be in Denver and then they were going to be in Chicago. So he'd call their agent and say, look, could you stop in Iowa and I can get you five shows if you'll stop in Iowa. And they did. And like we had uh, the beach boys in 1963, the week that surfing uh, USA was number two in the country. And that went on and on and on all through that period of time, everybody from the Ronettes to uh, the birds, to the yard birds, to the, uh, uh, Gosh, it was just crazy. Tommy James and the Shondells, the Turtles, all of them. Uh, and then going into the 70s, you know, Ario Speedwagon, Cheap Tricks, Sticks, all of those kind of bands played there. You know, a lot of those were proximate to Iowa. And um, so it just became this crossroads of music. So there's a lot of that story. When you, when you walk in, there's actually a touchscreen and you can see the path of Johnny Cash in 1960, of the Beach Boys, of the Yardbirds, of Neil Diamond, I believe, um, and of Cheap Trick. Okay. Um, so a question with that would be, um, have the Beach Boys been inducted 
into the Iowa uh, Hall of Fame? We, we actually, it's interesting you bring that up. There was a couple of our board members were talking about that the other day. They have not. Uh, but it would be someone that would be uh, someone we ought to, to consider. Uh, I'll tell you a few national groups that have been. Um, the Buckinghams out of Chicago have been. Uh, individually, B.J. Thomas is an inductee. Uh, Elvin Bishop actually did live in Iowa for a while. He uh, was in grade school and maybe middle school in Iowa and got his actual musical start in the state of Iowa and became one of the best guitarists around. And um, we've got the Ides of March. Uh, Jan and Dean are inductees. Dean Torrance is uh, close. In fact, they, Jan and Dean's Beach Party, that's something that we're going to end up announcing uh, pretty soon formally, are going to come in July to uh, the roof garden. We're going to have a, and, and Dean, and then there's a bunch of people in his band that used to play for the Beach Boys, a bunch of them. And so it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. We're going to try to turn that into a beach party, uh, really hoping we get people of all ages there that just want to come and wear Hawaiian shirts and shorts and have a good time. Okay. Brett. So you talked about some people other than musicians who can get inducted into the Hall of Fame and people like DJs. So what what considerations are put in place if I want to nominate my favorite uh, DJ for the Hall of Fame? Well, first of all, impact, you know, what impact did they have on rock and roll in Iowa? Now, I mentioned WLS, for example. You could argue that John Records Landecker could be a nominee, uh, you know, because everybody listened to his boogie check and stuff like that. You know, it, he, he was able to be heard throughout the state, all of that. You know, so there's one. Or like Bruce Wasnius is a DJ that is going to be inducted. And Bruce... I understand was just one of the kings, still is uh, one of the kings of rock and roll music in Iowa. And uh, I think he works in uh, one of the Mason City uh, classic rock stations right now. And he, I think it was him some time ago, had um, helped get that winter dance party started. Let me look at this again. Um, yeah. He helped organize the very first winter dance party at the Surf Ballroom in 1979. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he's, he's someone, for example. Um, and then radio stations, like we've mentioned, there are two, there are many in-state stations like KIOA. We just uh, uh, honored KRAB, which is the station that broadcasts the winter dance party and actually sponsored uh, the concert series when Buddy Holly and Richie Valens and the Big Bopper were there. And um, so there's many Iowa stations, but there's still more that we should that we should induct. And then two out-of-state stations so far, and there should be a few more, um, but the two are KOMA from Oklahoma City and uh, now WLS. Okay. Um, I've noticed that uh, the Call Ballroom in Davenport's been inducted. Yes. Yes. Uh, could you explain yeah. to our listeners why? I mean, there's one big guitarist who played there that was pretty prominent, but others. Uh... Yeah, and I, I, I'm learning a ton, but like I said, I've only been there a couple of years, so you may know more than Jimmy Hendrix played there. The Hendrix, for that. Ah, Hendrix played there, there and go. he he carved his uh, 
I've never seen it, but apparently on behind the stage, you know, he carved his name into uh, the backstage, or someplace has his signature on it. Someplace in the call ballroom has his signature on it. How cool is that? Oh, <laughs> That's yeah. pretty neat. Yes, it was. So, uh, Terry, you got a question? Yeah, Clay. So, as a retired children's librarian, I have to ask you a little bit more about the song Peter Rabbit. You described that it was performed by one of the founders, uh, John Fenn, and his group, uh, BJ and the Runaways, in 1966, I believe it was. Can you tell me yes. a little bit more about the song? And I assume it was based on the Beatrix Potter book? It kind of is. Yeah, kind it of. is. Because <laughs> it, 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 it's, a, it's a rock and roll song that talks about Peter Rabbit. I, I, you know, it's like Peter Rabbit goes hopping along, you know, and it talks a little bit about Mr. McGregor's farm and a couple things like that. And if you get on YouTube, there is just a fantastic video of it because it is from the old Dick Clark. He had two shows. I did The one I was familiar with was American Bandstand. But what predated mm-hmm. American Bandstand was a show called Where the Action Is. And he would go on the road. It might have overlapped, too. But this particular um video is uh from a aircraft carrier in um virginia or something and on this aircraft carrier and of course they're iowa people and i guess you do anything for television right one of the guys was dressed in a bunny suit the another one of the guys had overalls on of course that's what we wear all the time in iowa right or overalls and then the other guys had their traditional kind of 60s rock and roll suits um, and Dick Clark int- introduces them, and uh, it, it, it was a pretty amazing thing when little bitty Spirit Lake, Iowa, population probably back then 3,500 has a top 40 song that kids were listening to all over the United States. That's cool. Brett, you got another question? Um, I do. So with the uh museum artifacts is there much that you have to do to uh maintain them or restore them other than you know getting the feather duster and the vacuum cleaner out every now and again (laughs) that's a good question well there's you know i'm learning a ton we have a a great uh museum director her name is maddie tesh and maddie is a young lady that uh, you were talking, uh, Terry, about being in library science. Well, that's what, what uh, she went back and got her master's in, so library science and archiving. And so she's had us order, you know, asked us if we would pay for some new storage units so any of the posters and things like that could be, if we're not displaying them, can be properly stored in the proper environment, out of UV rays mm-hmm. at the right temperature, all these sort of things. Um, she's busy cataloging every artifact that we have in a, in a computer software system. And our hope is to have a big virtual uh, museum to where, you know, we can't possibly display everything mm-hmm. in, you know, 2,500 square feet of space. But uh, you would be able to go look at it and see who donated it, uh, see if it was on loan to us or if we own it. Um, and then we hope then to be able to put some of the memorabilia in other locations across the state, and we would know exactly where it was and who had it. And so she's busy, busy at work for that. But 
takes really good care of the artifacts. Uh, we have the guitars, certain one of them with the, um, oh, the inserts inside of them that keep them at the proper humidity and everything, especially the, the acoustic guitars. <laughs> and so, yeah, and the, the cases themselves, I think, are climate controlled. And, of course, we do a really good job of keeping our museum at a certain uh, temperature all year and, um, and humidity level as much as we possibly can. It is customary that we give our guests the last word on the show. Clay, why do you think um, knowing about the Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and its class of 2022 or other classes is relevant today in today's world? Well, I'll tell you a reason that I think is bigger than anything is that I don't know about you guys, but I'm sick and tired of the polarization that we have in everything, whether it be political or whatever. And the fact that we can't seem to agree on much. Right. Um, And families are getting split apart and friendships are getting split apart. But one thing that kind of holds people together is music. And an observation that we've made is that perhaps rock music Um, because of when it was started, because of the ages of people right now, is one of the few music groups that regard or music types that regardless of your socioeconomic status, regardless of your political affiliation, regardless of your color uh, or your background, um, seems to, or age, crosses all of those lines. And the fact that so much of it actually came from here. I mean, there's some other little tidbits. The solid based electric guitar was invented in Keokuk, Iowa. Oh, wow. You know, the another gentleman, I'm trying to think of his name right now, but here's a gentleman again from Shenandoah that started the record plant and recorded the, the John Lennon, one of John Lennon's last recordings was recorded by him. And uh, who's who of 70s and 80s and 60s music was recorded by the record plant out in Los Angeles. And this gentleman from Iowa started that. So the history that's, and then the Everly brothers influenced the Beatles. Oh yeah. There's a picture of the Everly brothers in uh, Paul McCartney's office. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they also influenced uh, Simon and Garfunkel. They were the ones that really took harmony to a different level. So yes, without a doubt. Yes. And, all kinds of sibling harmony and things like that. And um, so there's a lot in, you know, kind of little Iowa that is uh, surprising to hear. Uh, I mentioned earlier that Willie Lee Cox uh, was the drummer for America for 50 years. Uh, we have his right now, we have his travel case in our museum and it has got stickers. He, he'd been around the world 25 times or something, you know, wow. the number of places that they played. And, um, so it, it, but I think the big, big picture is how it, it unites us on, you know, in a time, I mean, at the day I'm doing this, uh, there's war breaking out in Ukraine, you know, and it's just a unsettling time, but uh, music kind of helps settle your nerves, right? Okay. We would like to thank our guest for our 450th show, Clay Norris, Executive Director of the Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Fame who has talked to us about the Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class of 2022. The history buffs for today's show were Terry Toppler and Brett Menard. 
You can listen to ROI as it's being broadcast on Friday nights on KALA HD2 88.5 FM and 106.1 FM in the Quad City region at 9.30 p.m. You can also listen to the show. It's being broadcast on TuneIn.com. Put KALA HD2 in the search box and listen for ROI. Many of the previously recorded shows can be heard at SoundCloud.com. Just put KALA Radio in the search, click on the first icon, and scroll down to find ROI shows. You can also find ROI on all your favorite streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. ROI is recorded at station KALA, St. Ambrose University.